Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Lent is a really funny word to describe a season. It's that season in the church year. These are the weeks of preparation. The color becomes purple. All the pyramids are changed. It's that time of year when we talk more about sin. We turn inward in self-reflection. We spend time getting ready for what is coming. It's a gift that the church offers us down through the ages. It's what we need to get ready to enter that high holy day. Lent, of course, leads us to Easter. And the other season of preparation in the church year, the other purple season, what season is that? Advent, very good. That leads us to the high holy day of Jesus' birth. Advent and Lent, Lent and Advent, Let's just admit it, Advent sounds a lot better, doesn't it? I mean, Lent, what a word. Now, Advent, technically, that means something is coming into being, something that's about to be used. You can talk about the Advent of spring. You can talk about the Advent of the use of cell phones. And of course, for Christians, the Advent that we talk about is the coming of Christ, the incarnate one the one who brings a whole new life, the one who inaugurates a whole new world. But Lent, on the other hand, well, it really only means one thing. Now, of course, it's the season of penitence, the season of prayer. Sure, as a verb, Lent means something else. It's the past participle of Lent. And with just a simple vowel change, you can get what gets stuck in your pocket or on your clothes. But the Lent that we are talking about, when we talk about observing it, when we talk about approaching it, L-E-N-T, and it only means one thing, a season spent in sorrow, a season spent on our sin, a season of self-examination, of testing, of trial. These 40 days, they're like the flood of Genesis, Moses' sojourn on the mount, Elijah's journey, Jonah's call to Nineveh, and of course, Jesus' time of testing in the wilderness. They're times that are set apart to repent, to turn, and to make our way toward God. Lent, in particular, it means that we turn inward and that we recognize that we are sinners. I mean, who's ready for Lent? (laughs) I've really sold it, right? Well, it's a hard sell, right? Who doesn't like to be reminded that we are totally depraved, as Calvin would say, or as Jonathan Edwards would preach, that we are sinners in the hand of an angry God? Well, I'll tell you who wouldn't like it, basically everyone. No one likes to be shown their faults. 
No one likes to admit their mistakes, much less spend 40 days and nights reflecting on them. Some of you may know this already, but I am a certified Enneagram instructor. So I'm a member of the International Enneagram Association, and most of you have done Enneagram in this congregation, which is really fascinating. But if you haven't, here's a brief look at how I approach this. The Enneagram is a spiritual pathway. It's a tool for understanding yourself and others. It's focused on nine worldviews, Enneagram, nine points. It's actually a symbol, a shape that shows up that's been found in the mystic traditions of a number of faith religions, ancient Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Today, we primarily use it as a personality typing system, but it's really more than that, and it's really been more than that through the years. It's a tool, a pathway for self-reflection and for growth. It's within the contemplative tradition, a practice that's been passed down to us from the saints of old. It's an opportunity to come closer to God, to yourself, and to others. And for today, I will say, I think it's the perfect companion for the Lenten season. It's a really good way to look at where you get stuck, to take up your sin, your struggle. Now the Enneagram, when we place that in the contemplative tradition, we wanna look at that word contemplation. Contemplation is an English word. It's got three parts, the prefix con, templa is the root word in the middle, and then the suffix, which is T-I-O-N. The root of the word, templa. It comes from the Latin word for templum. So basically in the Roman times, the templum was a particular segment of the heavens. Apparently they had this idea of stacked heavens and the templum was the part of the heavens where God resided the place where God dwelt. Well, that can make sense to us because when we think of the earthly temple, that was the place where one went to commune with God and experience God's presence in Jesus' day. So templa, we get it. In the word contemplation, it's the place where God dwells. Now the prefix con. What does con mean? It means with, right? So contempla means with God in the place where God resides. And then the suffix, T-I-O-N, whenever you see that on any word, it means in an ongoing way. It means in an abiding way. So reconciliation, that means the ongoing work of reconciling. And explanation, the ongoing explaining. And so we turn that to contemplation and we see that there are ongoing ways to be with God in the place where God resides. That's the offer of contemplation. That's the offer of spiritual practice. And what the Enneagram leads us to see, what the Enneagram tells us, how the Enneagram gets us to think about our sin and our stuckness, is that we all have alternative abiding states, right? We all have alternative abiding states. We're all not always with God in the temple where God resides. 
but we have abiding states of things like worry or despair or cynicism or hopefulness. But the scriptures and the testimony of the saints hold out for us the possibility, the possibility that your ongoing state can be abiding with God in the place where God resides. Now, perhaps you've known that in an occasional way. Perhaps you've experienced that blissful, blissful love of God and the presence of God. But you wonder in this season of Lent, you wonder how you can live more constantly in that communion. And that's where we wonder about sin. And that's how the Enneagram can help us, because it gives us a sense of what our other abiding states are. Our fixations, according to type, our struggles, where we get stuck. And it helps us develop more of an awareness that we might turn from those abiding states, that we might practice contemplation and be open to the presence of God. And I would say that any contemplative practice will do this, whether it's prayer or song or worship, meditation, journaling, Bible reading, Visio, Visio Divina, Lexio Divina, any of these practices, they help move you there. They matter. They help move you to the place where you can reside with God in an ongoing way. What an invitation. What an invitation. But to do it, we have to figure out where we get stuck, right? Where our other abiding states are, where we get gripped, where we struggle. And when we learn that, we can make a different choice, right? And we can access the grace that God has for us and access the grace that God has for others. There's a book by a woman named Helen Sapiro, and it's on spiritual practice. She looks in particular at the spiritual practice of journeying, of journaling, and she takes up this word, repentance, right? This idea of turning, the place that Lent leads us in this journey. It's the Greek word, it's called metanoia, and the idea is that we change that spiritual transformation is possible, that the change of the heart can happen. This word is 24 times in Scripture. It's in the Gospel and Acts. A lot of time it's around baptism, making the decision to change. And typically, we think of repentance as turning away from sin, right? If I said to you, repent, that's what you would think. Turn away from sin. Make the change of mind to abhor past behavior, error, or misdeeds, and be determined to enter on a better pathway. When I think about that more traditional understanding of repentance, I think of growing up in the mountains and driving around and seeing the big tent revivals out in the fields. And thinking of the story of the woman who made her altar call, her change of repentance, her faith, under the flashing neon sign of a cross. So it's big news, that repentance, that change. 
It's the mic drop, dunk down in the water, altar call beneath a neon cry, kick sin out the door, and never see it again sort of thing. But there's another way to consider the process of turning, of repentance, that's a little trickier than that, a little more mundane, if you will. It's the turning, it's the repentance that Lent asks us to do for 40 days, for 40 nights, each year. Helen Sapiro says this, that instead of turning away, metanoia, repentance, and the journey of Lent, it's turning toward your sin. Instead of mic drop, change, it's a little more mundane, even boring. It's a short poem, so I'll share it with you here. The heart's metanoia, on the other hand, turns without regret, turns not so much away as toward. As if the slow pilgrim has been surprised to find that sin is not so bad as it is a waste of time. As if the slow pilgrim has been surprised to find that sin is not so bad as it is a waste of time. Isn't that something? There are so many different ways to see sin. Mortal sin, like murder that makes you separate from God. And immediately after this scene in the Garden of Eden, we know the sin that pops up between Adam and Eve's children is one of murder. But there's also the venial sins that don't take you out of relationship with God, but that are daily continual struggles. There's the institutional or communal sin, and there's also the personal, the more moral code. So this season of Lent, I invite you to consider sin in this second way. Consider sin as the way that you get stuck that we struggle and then we show up as less than God has created us to be. In her book, And It Was Good, Madeline L. Engle wonders if that's what happened with Adam and Eve from the passage that we read today. Did they forget to wonder about the glory of their creation? Did they forget that they already had it made? Did they forget to be in awe of the Garden of Eden? Did they forget to offer praise for the beauty of the world? Did they lose their sense of wonder in the world and in themselves as stewards, as namers, as co-creators with God? Did they forget that they already had it made and they didn't need the fruit of the tree of good and evil. There's a rabbi, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who says this, indifference to the sublime wonder, indifference to the sublime wonder of being is the root of sin. The surest way to suppress our ability to understand the meaning of God and the importance of worship is to take things for granted. 
Indifference to the sublime wonder of being is the root of sin. In the end, that's what this season of Lent, when we allow our sins to take up some of our time, in the end, that's what contemplative practice and the tool of the Enneagram will help us to do. They put us in the presence of God, where God resides, and they reconnect us to the wonder and the awe of creation and of ourselves and offer us an alternative abiding state that we might not take ourselves and others for granted, that we might be curious and wonder about our responses, even where we get stuck. So instead of condemnation, we say, oh no, here I go again. Why is this so hard for me? I wonder if I could do something different. So that we might show up to ourselves and others with compassion and with wonder about the created beings that we are. And that we might remember this fact, this truth, this good news, that we are more than who we are when we are gripped by our struggles, our sin, our personalities, we are created as more. We are the beloved children of God. So that's the journey of Lent anyway, isn't it? Through darkness to light. That is the journey of Lent anyway, isn't it? And doesn't it happen again and again? each year that we move through struggle with the hope of glory. That is the journey of Lent anyway, isn't it? That we are coached to be okay with seeing reality, even the darkest days of our Savior's life on earth, that we might let Lent lead us through reality to mystery that we might let Lent lead us to the wonder and the awe of creation. So friends, as we move through these next 40 days, as we move through these dark days where we reflect on ourselves, we reflect on the world, we reflect on the Christian story, let Lent lead us. Let Lent lead us to the compassion and the grace and the glory of the one who created you, of the one who named you, of the one who is God. May it be so. To God be the glory, time without end. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.